Worried Writer, helping you to overcome fear, self-doubt and procrastination to get the work done. I'm your host, Sarah Painter, and I'm a novelist and self-confessed worried writer. For show notes, resources and much more, please head to worriedwriter.com. And now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to episode 36 of The Worried Writer. I'm recording this on Tuesday the 30th of January 2018, and it's a dreek day here in Scotland. I'm fizzing with excitement, however, as my new novel, Beneath the Water, lands in shops next week. Beneath the Water is set in both Arasaig on the west coast of Scotland, in the present day, and amidst the medical community of Victorian Edinburgh. Stella Jackson is broken-hearted after her fiancé leaves, and she runs away to Scotland to stay with her best friend. But she ends up working for the mysterious Jamie Monroe. It's a gothic love story set in a stunning part of the world, with a historical strand which explores the background to some of the medical breakthroughs we take for granted today, such as obstetric anaesthesia. If that sounds like your cup of tea, or perhaps you just want to support my writing career, please do check it out. It's available for pre-order right now and is published on Thursday the 8th of February in ebook, paperback and audiobook. I will put a link in the show notes. In other book news, the audio version of Stop Worrying, Start Writing is up for sale. It's available on Audible and is free with a one-month free trial or for one credit or through Amazon. I narrated the book myself, so if you can't get enough of my voice and think that hearing my tips on self-doubt and procrastination might work for you, it's there for your listening pleasure. I am keen to get some reviews on the audiobook, so if you would be willing to leave an honest review after listening, do get in touch at sarah at worriedwriter.com as I have a limited number of free review copies available. In writing news, I'm waiting to hear whether my latest rewrite of my supernatural thriller is ready for submission to publishers, and I'm also getting ready to dive back into my current shiny project. It's been on hold for the last week or so while I've been doing publicity stuff for Beneath the Water, but I'm determined to make February a high word count month. So, today's guest is my inspiration and an official mentor, Joanna Penn. Joanna Penn runs the fantastic Creative Penn podcast and website, and she has been on the show before. But today, we are talking about her new book, The Healthy Writer. It's a really important topic for all of us, whether you are writing full-time or not, and I highly recommend the book. It's full of sane, non-judgmental advice, which is tailored for the particular health issues writers face. My side of the interview doesn't sound quite as clear as usual, I'm afraid, as I had a mortifying tech failure. Of all the people to have a tech failure with, my inspiration for both creativity and professionalism would not have been my first choice. I really was mortified when an update to my recording software meant things weren't working properly when I jumped onto Skype to chat with Joanna Pem. However, I tell you this as I like to share the warts and all experience with you and also to demonstrate that even when things go wrong, it's not the end of the world. In this instance, Joanna couldn't have been nicer about it, and she even offered to record the interview on my behalf, so that we could still go ahead. 
as is so often the way when you put yourself out there or try things, people are usually super supportive and nice and forgiving. On which note, I hope you will forgive the difference in audio. As always, I am incredibly grateful that you are listening to this show and for all your support. Every tweet, share, message, subscription and review makes all the difference to me personally and to the success of the podcast. Thank you. And don't forget, if you've got a question that you'd like answered on the show, do get in touch, either by email or via the Facebook page or find me on Twitter at Sarah R. Painter. So before we get on to the interview, I just want to give a quick shout out to some lovely folk on Twitter. Sam Collette, who's at what Sam saw today, Sam said, OMG, just wow, this joyous podcast is a tonic for any writer. Thank you so much, Sam. S.J. Blan, who's at S.J. Blan, Rachel Burton, who is at bookish underscore yogi, Andy Brink, who's at Andrew Brink, and Georgia McDonnell, who's at Georgia McDonnell. Once again, thank you to you all for being here, and I hope you have a fantastic month with your writing. And now, on to the interview section of the show. Joanna Penn is an award-nominated New York Times and USA Today best-selling author, writing thrillers, supernatural crime and fantasy under the name J.F. Penn. As regular listeners know, I consider Joanna my unofficial mentor, and I'm personally very grateful for the amazing information, guidance and encouragement she puts out into the world. If you aren't aware of Joanna's wonderful website and podcast, The Creative Pen, or her non-fiction books, such as Business for Authors, do check them out. Today, we're going to focus on Joanna's latest book, The Healthy Writer. But this is Joanna's second appearance on The Worried Writer, so I will put a link to her previous interview in the show notes. Welcome to the show, Joanna, and thank you for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me on the show again, Sarah. It's great to be back. Well, I am sure that most people listening know who you are, but could you tell us a wee bit about your path into writing and publishing, just for those who don't? Yes, of course. <laughs> and and we don't assume people know who we are ever. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I guess I've always been a reader. Didn't really think I would ever be a writer. It's kind of ended up quite a surprise. Um, but in uh, 2006, I found myself in a miserable cubicle slave job, uh, paid very well. So, you know, the golden handcuffs. Um, but I was just miserable. I just didn't know what I was doing with my life. So I started reading a lot of self-help, listening to a lot of audio, and decided that I would try and write a book on changing careers um, since you know, somehow I might be able to help myself. And so I did write that book and I actually rewrote it, updated it, uh, and it's out there as career change. Um, but writing that book and, and self-publishing it back in 2007 really changed my life. So off the back of that, I started The Creative Pen in 2008, um, my blog, and then a podcast. And then I started writing fiction. Uh, I did NaNoWriMo 2009 and wrote the the beginning of what became um, Stone of Fire, which is my first 
first action adventure thriller. Uh, I was able to leave my day job in 2011. And uh, since then, I've been making a living with my writing. At this point, I have 28 books uh, writing under actually three author names. I'm open about the third one now. So JF Penn, I write thrillers, dark fantasy. Um, as Joanna Penn, I write nonfiction for authors. And as Penny Appleton, uh, I co-write with my mum, contemporary sweet romance. So at this point in time, I guess I'm a, I'm an author and a podcaster and a speaker and a creative entrepreneur. And I make a multi six figure income from my writing. And uh, yeah, so very happy sort of 10 years on now that um, I can make a living this way. That's so fantastic. I never, ever get tired of hearing that story because it's so <laughs> inspiring. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but before we just get into the Healthier Writer, which is our main focus, I just wanted to say congratulations on your latest novel, um, Map of Shadows. The cover is stunning. Oh, I should be you. putting a picture in the show notes. But it's also, it's a little bit of a genre change for you. Um, I just wondered what prompted that shift and whether you were nervous at all. Well, it's kind of a genre shift. I mean, it is a technically a fantasy novel, but as my friend Lindsay Baroka, who was a fantasy author, said to me uh, in 2017, she said, you realise you are a fantasy author, right? <laughs> and I was like, what? No, I'm a thriller author. And then I realised that whenever I go to Thriller Fest, which is a New York convention for thriller writers, they always put me on the panel with the people who write like, you know, uh, werewolves and fairies and evil <laughs> fantasy creatures. And I was like, this is interesting. So it really made me examine the type of books I write. Now, pretty much every single one of my books has some kind of supernatural element, which means it falls through the gaps. And a little tip for people, you know, falling through the gaps can be a bit of a marketing nightmare. Um, but essentially, you know, supernatural crime, for, for example, my London Psychic series is just, it falls through every gap there is. Uh, my Arcane series, you know, sort of religious thrillers like Dan Brown. So some people call it faith, some people call it fantasy. <laughs> You can, you can make up your own mind. Um, so Map of Shadows, um, is a kind of a split world fantasy. So it opens in Bath in England, where I live, and then goes into the Borderlands and the Uncharted, which are basically the places that we push off the map. Because, of course, people draw, draw lines on maps and there are actually places in the world that we've written off the map or, you know, have, have disappeared, um, or maybe never existed or maybe they're, you know, in the Borderlands. And I, I've kind of been obsessed with cartography. So, the idea of a, of a split world and things off the map, it kind of came from the Brexit situation, which you and I have been, <laughs> have experienced. The, the fact that, um, by taking away our European passports, uh, I will no longer be able to live and work in European countries, which is, you know, and, it's going to be a big change. So I think I was very angry about the change in borders. So I ended up writing a split world fantasy about borders and refugees and people fighting for their land. And it was it was a very interesting, cathartic process, but it's also a fantasy action adventure, still a thriller, um, as in it's not epic fantasy. It's not really long. Um, it does have some swords in, but it also has other things. So I, I almost don't feel like it is a genre shift. I think it's where I've been going. Um, I haven't had such a developed magic system before, but for example, Risen Gods, um, which I co-wrote with Jay Thorne a few years ago, um, that has, you know, risen gods and demons and supernatural. And so I think I'm, I think that, I think I'm finding my element, but you know how this is. It takes, it takes a long time for us all to find our voice. And by following the muse, we often go down paths that were perhaps 
perhaps unexpected, but certainly I'm right now, I'm uh, writing the screenplay for Map of Shadows and having a look at the different uh, sort of movies that it's similar to and, and thinking a lot about that. So yeah, I'm just, I feel like it's not a complete direction, but I'm, I'm loving it right now. It sort of seems to me more, as you were just saying, it's more like embracing stuff that you've always been interested in. You've always had the edge of in your books, mm. but it feels like more like a more definite step. Yeah. And I think I, because fantasy I, and saying that's fine. Fantasy. Yeah, exactly. And it's actually in um, a fantasy category on Amazon. And that's probably the biggest shift. My arcane thrillers, you know, are still in thriller. Um, so yeah, it is. And although it's funny, because of course, I'm now thinking, should I, should I go to different conventions? You know, but I actually, you know, when you look at the most prolific authors, so someone like Nora Roberts is fascinating. I just read a book of hers called Year Zero, which is a post-apocalyptic fantasy novel where people like 99% of the world is decimated by a plague which is an, an apocalyptic type mm, story dystopian type but uh-huh. then yeah dystopian future mm. thing but then what happens is the people change into fairies goblins <laughs> trolls uh-huh. yeah all these different magical creatures so it it's definitely a, f- a post-apocalyptic fantasy novel written by nora roberts who is known for romance so mm-hmm. so fascinating to think that as writers we need to lean into that muse and Although I absolutely believe in thinking about your reader and considering the marketing aspects of a book, um, at the end of the day, for me, writing my fiction under JF Pen is about writing what my muse wants to write. No, I love that. And and I like that you've also just mentioned a long-term writer, um, because that leads me very nicely into the healthy writer, because <laughs> we, you and I... Um, well, I want to follow in your footsteps <laughs> and be a long-term writer and to think long-term. And part of that has been thinking more about the sort of body aspect, the fact that I am, you know, I am the business effectively um, and I want to do this for a long time. But um, what, I do think it's a very timely book, but what was it that led you to want to write about um, being healthy and specifically for writers? Well, I... I actually had a number of uh, journal entries and things in Scrivener on various health aspects. So um, my back pain journey, for example, I've been writing notes on for years. Um, and my migraine, I used to get migraines. Um, I'd actually published a poem on the pain that I had with a migraine. And I put some of a lot of these entries into the book, but I feel like I've been gathering a lot of this for years. And then I guess what happened is um, I'm very grateful to the situation that I'm in and that my business is pretty stable right now. So I got to the point where I was like, do you know what? The biggest shift I have to make now is not working 24-7. It is looking at longevity and reducing the number of things I do. I know you're a fan of Deep Work by Cal Newport as well. Um, And I read that book and The One Thing by Gary Keller. And I can't do one thing. I write all these different things. You know, I do a lot of different things. But I thought the only way to control a lot of the, the stress that's coming up, the only way that I can continue feeling like this is my dream life, because let's face it, you know, being a writer can just be a cranking wheel of content creation instead of 
the dream job that we wanted it to be. So I guess what happened around 2015 when my husband uh, joined the company because we were in a good financial position um, and his health was really bad. And I go through that in the book, um, a lot of IBS. Uh, I talk about, you know, some of the problems we had in our marriage because his energy, he, he just was, he had no energy. The fatigue with digestive issues and anxiety is huge. And so I think in 2016, I realized I had to change my health, my physical health. I'd gotten, let's face it, too fat. <laughs> and I'm not saying that anyone else should feel that's a judgment, but I, I was addicted to sugar, I, which I write about in the book. I write a letter to sugar. I wasn't doing enough movement and I, I don't even want to call it exercise anymore. It's like I wasn't moving and I was sitting down in cafes, hunched over or at my desk, hunched over, like we can all, let's all just straighten our spines right now. You know, you can feel I had RSI, like just a whole loads of load of things I think came together. And I mean, if people listening are under 40, you might not have got to that point yet. <laughs> but there's a point, I think. But we have. <laughs> yeah, we have. And the, I think the, the point is there is a when the pain pushes you, I have a friend, she's not in enough pain yet to get to this <laughs> life change. And I had reached the point where I was in enough pain mm -hmm. that I needed to change. Um, so I started doing yoga. I started walking. I've done a few ultra marathons now. I got a standing desk, sitting standing desk. Um, I'm at right now. I'm standing up right now. Uh, just, I, I started making changes and I started talking about it on my podcast, which I know you listen to. And Dr. Ewan Lawson, uh, who listens to my podcast came along to an event I did in London. And then he emailed me later and said, look, you've been talking about health on your show. I'm a doctor. I'd like to write a book about health. Why don't we co-write one? And to be honest, I would never have attempted this book without a co-writer who is a medical doctor. Because let's face it, I have no medical in training. I can't say this is a good idea. So what, what we ended up doing was it's a kind of combination of evidence-based recommendations, which let's face it, we all know, you know what you have to do. You know, you have to stand and move and you know, you have to eat better and you know, you have to sleep. But what was so interesting is we did a survey. So we had over 1400 writers, um, reply and uh basically saying what their issues were and it was incredible how similar they all were um you know stress anxiety back pain um repetitive strain injury sedentary life sleep problems digestive issues so we decided to kind of follow that model with the book so i think for me it had reached a crux point and i i have to say right now i am not the model of a healthy writer i mean i really i'm a work in progress like all of us but mm. i I hope, I think that health, like writing, it has to be for the rest of our life. You, mm. I can't just be like, oh yeah, I'm fit now. That's it. You know, it's like, you don't, you don't finish your book and you're done. Well, generally you're not. You're like, <laughs> what should I, what book shall I write next? You what know, next? Yeah. <laughs> writing is a lifelong journey and, and writing is a practice in the same way that movement is a practice and all of these things. So I think the, the issue I had is, is that we, value our brains so highly that I just considered my body as a vehicle for my brain and I make a living from my brain. But it was so funny because one of the, um, I've, I've read loads of stuff about nootropics, which are things that are sort of brain hacks, um, looked at smart drugs, looked at all these different things. And then 
I, I, I do this work with you and, and discover that the best brain hack possible is good nutrition, like not, not hacking nutrition, just good nutrition, good sleep, exercise. These things will make you more productive, more creative, more happy. And those are the best hacks we can do for our brain. So I really had to learn the connection between the mind and the body, which we can really lose, uh, I think, as writers. I think that's such an important thing to say. And also, I mean, from a motivational point of view, I think when you're, you know, because you're aiming, obviously, this book at writers and creatives, I think that's such a powerful message that Mm. this is what's going to help your work. This is what's going to help your brain. I think that's fantastic. Um, but speaking of motivation, I do love the way that the book is very non-judgmental and practical um, and about the long term. It's not about short term things. Um, but as you say, a lot of the stuff is stuff that we know. But it's one thing saying, oh, I need to look after myself. And then it's another thing actually changing your day to day habits. <laughs> and I just wondered if you had any advice for forming Mm. those habits or helping them to stick yeah um well a couple of things i guess i have um i think it's a slow process so i think you it doesn't have to be slow in that you can make a decision right now to change your life as you know i did when i decided to become a writer but it took me you know from the day I started writing that book to when I left my job, it took five years and then another three years before I was making the same money. So it's that similar thing. Like you can decide right now, I'm going to be a healthy writer, which means I will, you know, look after my body, reduce my pain, be, you know, pay attention to these things. But in terms of the habits, first of all, scheduling, uh, which is my, which is a tip for writing as well as fitness. Um, and and let's just take that word away again. So ignore fitness, ignore exercise. Let's talk about wellness and feeling well so that you are able to write. And I think that's been a big shift for me. So I've started scheduling movement rather than exercise. So for example, I gave up my gym membership. I've had a gym membership for blooming 20 plus years and clearly it never helped me. I mean, I would go, I would do the things, but it, it was never something I loved. What I did, I do love uh, is classes. Um, you know, I always enjoyed um, Zumba, <laughs> for example, dancing and movement. Um, but what I do do now is I go to a, a scheduled yoga class. So basically I put that on a Sunday night, I will put in everything for the week and I know when everything is, right? So I I, I've put repetitive things in my Google calendar. Uh, on Sunday, Jonathan, my husband and I go for a walk. So Sunday is kind of earmarked for a walk. And for us now, what's kind of crazy is a, a walk for us is 20 to 25 kilometers, you know, and it's, we kind of, you know, it's also marriage time because we talk and, but I also then, um, friends are interesting. So I have made a new friend who is very fit. That's helped a lot. So instead of meeting for a drink, we're now meeting for a walk. And, you know, so that's something you can kind of shift. So it's trying to, I think it's not going right. I'm going to go to the gym and lift heavy weights, or I'm going to run. Like for me to run, 
I still am not running. Ewan is a runner. And in the book, you know, he talks about that. But his body shape is very different. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So you've got to choose what works for you. So for me, I like to walk. I like setting goals. So I, you know, I'm, I'm doing these ultra marathons more for the journey before I get there. It's a bit like a book, you know, that achievement of going live launching is not all the rest of it is the point. So scheduling is one good thing for habits that that feeling the pain. That's really important. You have to have a reason why. And the reason why is not, I must lose 20 pounds that's not a good enough reason. So that's why I'm emphasizing why writing is good for you. um, Sorry, (laughs) why writing is good for you, but also being healthy will help you write. And and if you want to, let's say you want to, I want to be a seven-figure author. And not because, yay, I want loads of money, you know, yes, that would be nice. But there's something about what you have to become in order to get to the next level. And when I look at high performers in any sphere, it's always exercise. Someone like Richard Branson as an entrepreneur who I really, you know, highly respect and a creative, dyslexic, chucked out of school, you know, all of that. Um, incredible achiever exercises every day. Um, so this type of thing, I think it's the change in mindset between oh, I, ca- I just can't spare an hour to go and exercise. It's more like in order to write for an hour, I have to prepare myself with movement and I have to sleep well. And if I eat, this is the other thing I've really noticed. I've, um, I have lost weight, um, mainly because I'm eating things that make me feel good in the physical sense, not in the mouth sense. <laughs> so that was the big thing with sugar. And if, if people do get the book and read that letter to sugar, it's quite personal. I mean, it, you know, it's like I want, I do want to feel attractive to my husband, for example, you know, things that are important. <laughs> um, but that sugar thing, you know, I, I, and the crunch I put in the book, I was babysitting for my cousin and I literally found myself just eating one of those huge packets of Haribo's, which if people don't know are those Delicious. sort of pure sugar sour <laughs> things. I just ate the whole packet and then delicious. Yes. But the, they make your mouth feel good, but they don't make your body feel good. And so I think some of these mindset shifts are so important and you kind of have to face some of your underlying issues. And that's the other thing. And again, this is a journey for me. Like I said, I'm not fixed. <laughs> um, but I am seeing, I saw a hypnotherapist uh, around sugar because I couldn't, I just couldn't do it on my own. Um, and I now have a physical coach. So not a trainer, someone who helps me lift heavy weights, but a coach who's working on my mindset. So I guess I've just for the first time, you know, I've always invested in self-education, but now I'm investing in self-education around physical health. Mm, that makes so much sense. And um, when you when you surveyed mm. the authors, which I thought was a great idea, um, I imagine that there were lots of things that came up that you were kind of expecting, like back pain and RSI. Uh, was there anything that surprised you or and did anything come up that you weren't really expecting? There was, there was one thing that we did not expect and that was eye strain. And it was, and also repetitive strain injury was interesting because most people don't use that term. So if people listening feel like, well, I don't have repetitive strain injury. Well, it's like, okay, 
but maybe your yeah how are your wrists how are your forearms yeah how's your shoulder your 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 elbow (laughs) do you get pain Uh when with your mouse arm are you struggling to do do you have full movement so here's here's the movement that I do all the time and make such a difference is that lifting your arms way above your head and I have a Swiss ball so I basically backbend over my Swiss ball but for writers if you can't lift both of your hands above your head and lean and lean back if you don't have that functional movement you may have some issues and that's another reason I go to yoga that kind of um, the functional movement spinal twist stuff like this just makes such a big difference but um the eye strain so anyway back on repetitive strain injury people often think that that's a diagnosis but often that is a diagnosis when you have other pain and then you present with pain so that kind of um just are you getting pain in your arms wrists shoulders things that you use for your writing um but the eye strain was interesting we didn't put it down and i it's it's one of those things it's like you only recognize it it's like do, do your eyes itch do you rub your eyes like when you come away from the screen are you um finding that you just you know you have to maybe listen to an audiobook with your eyes closed or you know again the the term eye strain can apply to so many things and i was thinking about this because i wear contact lenses uh, and you wear glasses for, you know, um, but I mm-hmm. think with contact lenses, because I have to keep them moist, I think I blink more than the average person looking at a screen. That's my hypothesis. So if you don't have to, what the eye strain often comes from not blinking very much and kind of straining those muscles. Also the light from your, if you're spending hours and hours on the computer with no breaks. Um, so it was really interesting to kind of look at that and examine how you can fix it. But the, what the, Ewan pointed out and reading the, reading some of these chapters are very challenging. And his, his thing was, okay, if you're taking a break from your computer, well done. Yeah. Step away from your computer for 10 minutes are you immediately going on your phone? So you are not away from a screen <laughs> at all. You're actually going from, you're, you're like, oh, I'm going to have a coffee or a cup of tea or even go to the toilet and take your phone. <laughs> so his, and when I read that, I was like, oh yeah, I see the problem. Because we do, you know, don't we? We're like, okay, well, I'm walking away from the computer. I'm, I'm taking a break. But then we go straight on um, the, you know, Facebook or whatever um check the news, uh, you know, whatever. So I think that was a surprise. I think the loneliness was also... I was just going to say that I, that surprised me. That was the one thing that I wasn't, I don't know why I wasn't expecting it because as I read about it in the book, I was like, mm. oh, of course. But I guess because I have built a community. Exactly. And I, so I don't person. although I do remember when I first started writing, I sought out that that writing community, if that makes sense. So I, th- I guess I'm sort of past it. So it surprised me. And I say, like, oh, yeah, of course, yeah, loneliness. It's, it's true. Well, and exactly, I agree. And, and in fact, the antidote is to seek out that community. And I mentioned friend dating, which, you know, basically you do have to reach out and uh and meet people go to conventions. You know, we've talked about introversion before. Uh, it's not easy 
to make these relationships um, over time. And social media is great, but if you are lonely, then often you do need, I mean, when we moved to Bath, I have started friend, I know I started friend dating in Bath and you kind of have to find a physical network as well. Um, people who build you up and don't knock you down. So for example, um, there's quite a literary tradition in Bath, Jane Austen, you know, that type of thing. So I haven't sought out a writer's group because I feel like I wouldn't necessarily be <laughs> a good fit. Uh, but, you know, my friend, um, uh, another, this new friend is actually a freelance writer. So we have freelance business writing type thing in common. Um, but I saw her on Twitter. Uh, I think she must have found, tweeted something of mine. I clicked on her profile. I, um, messaged, direct messaged her and said, I see you're in Bath. Would you like a coffee? Um, and I've, I've done that over the years, um, with people I think, oh, you know, they're interesting. And then, uh, a lot of those people I never saw again <laughs> because, you know, the friend thing didn't quite work out. And then other people I've gone on to become really good friends with, like Orna Ross, who um, is runs the Alliance of Independent Authors. She and I met on Twitter when I was living in Australia um, back in like 2009, I think we met on Twitter. And then when I moved to London in 2011, we bumped into each other in a library and went out for coffee. And now she's one of my best friends. So, I would say to people, and I've changed my friendship group completely from when I started writing and when I was in corporate. So if people are feeling lonely and isolated, then you actually, you have to take responsibility. You have to go to the conventions and try and chat. However hard it is, if you want a community around you, you have to do that. Also being helpful is really important. If you can help other people, then you will make connections. Um, and being, um, what's the word? I guess just out there. Like, you know, I think I can't remember whether I emailed you or you emailed me originally. Um, no, whatever, or whether we met on Twitter, but you know, say we met on Twitter and you can click through to someone's profile. I can click through to your website. Mm -hmm. I can see you've written books. So I know we've got something in common. <laughs> I see you have a podcast. I see a bit about you, you know, a bit about your life. I know you're a real person. You're not <laughs> a bot <laughs> and, and that we have stuff in common. And, you know, so if you are people listening, if you're reaching out, make sure you have some evidence of who you are. And if you're just starting again, that can be hard, but there are ways to have free websites. Even just one page linked on your profile will make a huge difference. Um, use a picture of your face. Um, go to live events, as I said. But this, I think this is the message of the healthy writer. And, and you know, in general, I think you have to take control. Um, you know, I know I'm an indie author, so I tend to control everything, <laughs> but that, uh, attitude. I am responsible for my health. I am responsible for my writing, for my publication, for my book marketing, for my income. You know, I have to go and get it. I think that's probably the thing. Mm, absolutely. I think it's a really positive message with regards to the meeting people thing that it is something that you have to work at because I think sometimes if you're on, if you feel as if you're on the outside of something, you can imagine that there's some special little anointed clique that you 
that just happened to other people. So that message, which I completely agree with about seeking out those communities and putting yourself out there and making those connections by being helpful and, you know, a good person over time. Um, I think that's really positive, um, even if it's not an immediate yeah, fix. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it takes time. Absolutely. It's, it's real life, yeah. you know. No one goes from, you know, <laughs> like getting married or whatever. You, It takes time to get to know people. And in terms of, like you're saying, um, you know, be, being helpful and you and I both have podcasts. I started my podcast in 2009 so I could talk to people. And the thing is, I mean, it's still true. Yours hasn't been going that long. It's still true that most authors do not have multimedia things. So if you're offering to interview someone and ask them about their, themselves and their book, they're going to say yes most of the time. And they're going to be <laughs> grateful to you for giving them the opportunity to speak to your audience, even if your audience is tiny, let's face it, most authors, you know, it's a very competitive market. If there's any way to get your word out, you know, I, I think having a podcast or a YouTube channel or being you like with the worried writer, you know, you were tapping into um, a need that you saw, it may sell some of your fiction. It, it definitely now sells your nonfiction. <laughs> But, you know, you you didn't, I imagine you did not start this podcast with the intent to, you know, oh, I must just market my books through this. No, <laughs> no. no it was I must talk to people and learn how to be less worried. Yes. and in the process, help other people who uh -huh. are worried. Yes, uh-huh, yeah. So um, on, the, on the subject of loneliness, you are not just building a community and making friends and, and those kind of more normal things. You are... I hope you don't mind me saying this extreme because then you co-author with people, which um, that must help with the loneliness, but also maybe raise stress levels. Uh, what, what was the co-writing uh, process like? For, I know you've done it on other mm. books as well, but so either just in general or in this particular book, what was the process like? Well, I think, you know, the one thing to say up front is it's different with every collaboration. So I co-wrote Risen Gods with Jay Thorne. And then last year, four of us co-wrote American Demon Hunter's Sacrifice, which was really hard. Don't co-write co with like more than one person. It's very hard. Um, I co-write with my mum, The Sweet Romance, which again is very different. So with Ewan, uh, basically when he pitched me, and let's let's just make this clear. It's not like I co-write books with anyone who pitches me. <laughs> I, I didn't expect this to happen at all. In fact, I never really expected to co-write nonfiction. Um but basically he, he pitched me and he, he's a medical doctor. He's an, ed he edits at the British Medical Journal. He write, you know, he's in the crime writing community. So he has a lot of, uh, already I knew, and he also came to my workshop, mine and Orna Ross's workshop on how to make a living with your writing. So I already knew he was serious in that way. And then I basically asked him to write a chapter. So essentially I interviewed his writing and he sent it back to me and I was like, oh, I'm sorry, I don't think this is going to work because it was written like a doctor. It was written like, it's yeah, dry. it was so dry. It was a medical journal article. And I said to him, look, this won't work. The, um, we, we're not writing a textbook. Um, this has to have personality. Um, so at the time, what we had thought is that he, w what we originally thought was that we would have, each chapter, I would write the first couple of paragraphs and say, 
this is the problem writers have with eye strain. And then he would write the answer. We thought it would go like that originally. And then what we then said was, all right, um, we came up with the table of contents. And I said, all right, just go off and write some stuff. And I will write some stuff too. So I did a lot of dictation for this book. And I hope pe- if people read it, you can tell, you can hear my voice in mm. a lot of it. So I've kept it as personal as possible. And Ewan started doing the same thing. So he also did some dictation. And then when he came back and I was like, okay, we need to restructure this book. So so for nonfiction books, the structure is so important and we really it took about six months before we settled on the structure and then I was like do you know what we have to do separate chapters because our voice is so different you I mean you can tell who's writing the chapter although we've kind of added a little Uh reminder you know I Ewan am a runner (laughs) you know I Joanna um but it you know it so that process was fascinating and then um we went through editing and things but but Ewan's fantastic and he he was great he took feedback uh I mean like I said I'm a control freak so um I had final say um I'm I published the book um and I'm you know we're 50 50 on it but what's so funny is we we literally just uh this week have engaged the audiobook narrators and we didn't know if we would do the audiobook because I my you know it shouldn't be a woman's voice it shouldn't be a man's voice so what we've gone with is two different voices <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know if it's going to work out, but I think it will because um, it is. It is two different voices in the book. I think it will because it, it definitely they're very, as you said, they are very distinct the voices. But I also think that um, that it also still has your kind of trademark, open, honest feel across the whole book, even uh, Ewan's uh, chapters, and I think that's. Yeah, that's really nice. So it still it still feels like a one of your oh, books. Oh, good. If you yeah, well, I mean. that that was the thing. I was like, if we are going to do this, then it has to fit with my brand. Um, so I I guess that's what I would say to people. I think also if you if you want to co-write, then there ha- it either has to be you know one of the parties has to be the alpha. Let's put it that way. Um, you know, oh. you have to someone has to lead the yeah steer the steer ship. The ship. <laughs> And in this case, it was definitely me. Um, it's usually me. Isn't it always <laughs> But this is, the, but it'd be, but I actually, I mean, I was so disappointed. Like, well, I did one of James Patterson's courses and I kind of, there were, he had a competition where you could co-write with him. I mean, I would, I would be so interesting to co-write with someone. I mean, James Patterson co-writes 90% of his books now, I think. And his process, as he describes it in the masterclass.com, even if you don't like James Patterson or his writing, his way of working and co- it was his, it was that video actually that convinced me to do this. Uh, it was the video with one of his co-writers who, that convinced me a few years ago that this was a good idea. Uh, so that's on masterclass.com if people are interested. It's really, it's only like 99 mm-hmm. bucks. It's amazing. Um, but I think, I think that, uh, co-writing is also a trend. It because it's so much easier now. Um, you know, we can, uh, you can work with something like Bundle Rabbit, which will deal with the payments. And that is the biggest pain is splitting smaller, small amounts of money, which let's face it, most money from writing is small amounts of money, but every month it can, you know, it can add up over time. So, um, 
yeah, I definitely would consider writing, well, no, I, I definitely will co-write more books. I'm doing another three with my mum this year. Um, but also <laughs> I would consider co-writing, you know, thrillers and nonfiction and anything. I think, it, I think it's a great process. Um, and Jay Thorne and I actually have a book on co-writing. So if people are interested, that has a lot of, tips both practical and um you know contractual and all of those things so if people are interested I shall put um, I shall put a link to that in the show notes. I'm very aware that, um, as always, I could talk to you for hours and hours, and the time has just raced by. Um, and I'm determined to get this question in because I'm selfish and I want the answer. <laughs> um, sort of inspired by the healthy writer and um, by your by your own example. I'm determined to try dictation so that I can move more. Um, so I've bought a little Sony uh, voice recorder because I thought I'll try just to get myself in the habit. Here's ah! mine. <laughs> <laughs> voice recorder twins. <laughs> um, and I thought, again, I think I got this from you, almost certainly, <laughs> um, trying to get away from the screen to just start trying it. Um, are you still using dictation I'm assuming so since your voice recorder was just there and do you have any top tips yeah sure so um I did map of shadows with dictation yeah and it was interesting because my editor said um that my voice had changed so that might have been through the dictation it might have been uh just because it was a different genre but that was quite interesting um mm. I dictated most of the, well, quite a lot of the stuff in The Healthy Writer. Destroyer of Worlds was dictated, um, and that was is, is award-nominated. So I can certainly say that, that dictating a first draft certainly does not affect the quality of your final product, which I think a lot of people worry about. Um, the, the, the next uh, tip, um, and I actually just posted the chapter on dictation on my blog, um, okay. so you can, you're welcome to link to that as well. So people can kind of get all the, the nitty gritty. Um, but basically I think you have to, it's a bit like health. Um, you will not get fit in one day. You will not be a master dictator in one day. Oh, damn so, it. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> so you really have to, again, you have to have a reason why. And if you, if you're going to tie your, and in fact, when I put this article up on the blog and I put a tweet out about it, all the excuses that I had actually listed in the article came out, um, you know, and it's crazy because there, I know the excuses because I used them all myself. I've been flirting with this for years and, you know, easing in, easing back out. But probably the main thing is, um, don't try and replicate what you would have done with typing. Um, you are not going to be able to do that and, and it will upset you and you'll be like what's the point I'm just not going to be good at this just start by um doing a bullet point kind of outline you know um what what shall I put in you could say this out loud what shall I put in chapter one full stop I like dogs full stop and the, in fact the full stop or the period if you're American or whatever is the only punctuation I would say I mean my mum does it without any dictation and I've tried to encourage her to uh, you know to move into it and actually that's a good point my mum I when my mum said she wanted to write a book I said to her you should dictate mum and I wish I had done that from the beginning because she is so fast <laughs> like I said I mean she wrote three books last year she does the first draft 
And she does, you know, she does it very, very fast. She wakes up, she, she actually keeps her little dictaphone by the bed. And if she's lying in bed in the morning, she'll just start talking. So, and she'll have her characters talking to each other and just dictate it. And then she will clean it up later. So this is another thing. You are dictating first draft writing. Mm-hmm. Do not try and dictate anything that is, you know, final draft. (laughs) I mean, you would normally say that for writing in general, but with dictation, it's even more important. Um, So yeah, I think that those would be some, some tips. Um, There's obviously more in the, in the blog post, in the book. Um, I also like a guy called Christopher Downing. I can't remember the book off the top of my head. Oh, I think it's foolproof dictation. Mm -hmm. His particular method is to um, do it in cycles so he's like okay three minutes talk about your scene and you do a three minute dictation on whatever the scene is um and then uh you stop you transcribe that so either using dragon or whatever software you're using and you see the you see the words maybe you could print it out or whatever um and then you take that and then you do five minutes or six minutes on the same scene but because you've got the prompts from your first round it gives you a deeper perspective. And then he says, do it one more time. So you've gone from a paragraph, which is kind of your outline from the first round to the final round, which maybe now is 5,000 words. And what we maybe, for me, that doesn't feel like something I would do with my typing, but because you're not typing, <laughs> you're not wasting words. You're, you're practicing that kind of thing. So, um, Oh, I love that. That sounds very good. I can imagine that. Yes. So that's the thing. Try and make it easy on yourself. And I've recommended a few books. Um, you know, Monica Leonel has Dictate Your Book and, um, uh, Scott has a book on, um, uh, dragon, you know, training your (laughs) dragon. Uh, and I have podcasts with all of, all of those people. So this is the thing. I would say you, you're making a decision from a, from a health reason, but also, when it's what's so amazing is when you feed that file into <laughs> your transcription i'm like oh my goodness i just wrote 7000 words and i i'm not tired that's the big realization i'm not tired and i've actually i have never written 7000 word typed 7000 words in a day by typing but when you're speaking you can actually do that so you can easily get to 5000 words an hour with dictation yeah exactly yeah so that's the thing if you want to be healthier if you want to write faster if you want to bypass critical voice you might find like with the worried writer it you know a lot of people are anxious because they've got the editor on their shoulder going that's a load of crap what are you doing that's the wrong word there's a typo that's wrong whereas if you're speaking you can't you don't edit yourself if you make a mistake you just say full stop sometimes i'll say full stop new line if I make a mistake, but what I tend to do, I'll demonstrate for people on the video. I'll press, I'll, I'll start a new file. I'll press record. I'll be like, Sarah walked into the room and then I'll press pause. And then I'll think, uh, what does the room look like? And I'll say, you know, the room had wooden slats on the walls, press pause. So you don't have to just keep it running the whole time. You just give yourself that extra and that will help you. Um, so loads of tips there. Sorry. I might have just given you too many (laughs) no not at all and and it's given me that extra um impetus I guess that sort of boost uh and I'm determined to give it 
not just a go. I think it's going to take several, several, several goes. And I, I'm, I'm aware of that. I just need to get started. <laughs> okay. I'm, you realise you've told me that now, so I'm going to hold you to oh, it. Oh, no. I've just <laughs> said it in public. Oh, you did. And people listening are going to be like, so, Sarah, how's your dictation going? You're like, going to have to give a report. That's what I'm going to challenge you on now. You have to give a report to your listeners. Oh, so I really have to try it now. <laughs> yeah, you do. Well, I think this is the thing. Once you, um, you know, have, I mean, have a look at my excuses for for um, reasons not to do it, and you'll see that they are exactly mm. the, the the ones that everyone comes up with. Um, but actually, I think, and also, I'm just writing a trends post to do on my podcast. Voice activation is becoming mainstream, you know, with uh, Alexa, with you know, Google Home, with um, so speech to text is, and speech in general is, and speech search and all of this, it's going to be a much bigger thing. So if you're learning the techniques or vocalizing your thoughts it's going to really help I think mm. no that's so true so I can't believe the time has gone already so uh, just to finish up um what are you working on now or what's next for you you're sure, working I'm, on a million things oh yeah it's true no I'm working on a screenplay for Map of Shadows so I'm Exciting. just yeah really loving that and trying to what's great about screenwriting is it's so story focused it's you know, it really is story, story, story. So I'm, I'm kind of re going over story structure and all the fundamentals of, of writing uh, fiction. Uh, for nonfiction, I'm working on how to write a novel. So that's going to be my next, uh, fic- uh, my next nonfiction book. Um, and I've got a course on that. So the book is kind of aimed at, at, at bringing people into the course. Uh, and with my mum, we have the next Penny Appleton Sweet Romance, um, working on that as well. So kind of doing the three, the three names, um, but for my own, you know, really that the my morning creative time at the moment is is all on the screenplay. So, yeah, that lots going on. <laughs> Exciting stuff. Well, um, where can people find out more about you and your books? Sure. So I'm at thecreativepen.com, pen with a double N, and I have the Creative Pen podcast, and people can find that, you know, on any podcatcher. I'm on Twitter at the Creative Pen. Uh, there's a bit of a, a theme, and you can get your free author blueprint if you come on over and video series and all of that type of thing. So hopefully that's that's useful. That's fantastic. Well, of course, I will put all the links in the show notes, but thank you so much for your time. It's so lovely to speak to you. Thanks so much, Sarah thanks for listening today for show notes and links head to worriedwriter.com if you'd like to connect find me on twitter at sarah r painter or use the hashtag worriedwriter see you next time